Welcome back to another Leroy UMC podcast. This week we're continuing the Great Banquet series, and we have Carla Lonis giving us a sermon about grace. Please pray with me. Dear Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be wholly acceptable to you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. You know, I just love music. Really, I'm kind of a traditionalist. Songs like Old Rugged Cross, Amazing Grace, How Great Thou Art, How Great Thou Art, they're some of my very favorites, and there's so many more. But last week, we sang a song (coughs) called Reckless Love. You know how Pastor Matthias often says, you know, that melody's gonna stick with you all day long? This has stayed in my heart and played over again many times throughout this week. The words, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down till I am found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. This leads me to our first scripture, This is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, 8 and 9. St. Paul tells us, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Good morning. My name is Carla Lonis. And this morning, I'm going to share with you about our response to God's grace or justifying grace, and our life living in God's grace or sanctifying grace. Last week, Rick did a wonderful job sharing with us about the gift of God's grace, provenient grace, the gift that comes before, the grace that God offers before we are even aware, the grace that God uses to woo us into his presence. I know this may sound confusing. There is only one grace. But John Wesley divided that grace into three parts so that we could better understand. There are three phases of God's grace, provenient grace. The second phase is justifying grace, or our response to grace, our acceptance, like the I do in a wedding ceremony. And finally, sanctifying grace, which is our lives after our acceptance of God's grace. It is our life and grace, like the marriage, after the I do. According to the creation story in Genesis 1, all that God created in the first five days was good. On the sixth day, God created humankind. Then God looked at all that he created and declared it was very good. We were created in the image of God and were designed to be in relationship with him But because of our wrong choices throughout our history, we have become separated from God. We were designed for living in relationship with God and nothing else can satisfy our souls. Nothing else, not money, not power, not even the perfect spouse. Our souls yearn for the wholeness that God offers. Jesus calls us to himself in Matthew 11, 28. Come to me all of you who are weary 
and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. In fact, the central theme of the Bible is the story of God calling us back into relationship with him. The relationship offered by God is not a system of rules and regulations, but of sacrificial love. John 4, 7 through 11 reads, Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Since God loved us so much, we ought to love one another. To justify is to make right. The Reverend Gary Henderson of United Methodist Communications uses an illustration from word processing to help us understand what it means to be justified. I'm typing and the words and the lines are all over the page and it looks like a mess. With a keystroke or two, I'm able to bring it together and order it and align it. They call it justifying to the left, to the right, or to the center. Sometimes it seems our lives are in pieces. We need a sense of order. Friends, we need to be justified. Justifying grace is at work in the moment we say yes to the relationship God offers us in Christ. The moment we realize how much he loves us and how much we need him. It marks the beginning of a lifelong relationship with God. God's grace is a gift and our response is an act of faith. Justifying grace is often referred to as salvation, conversion, having been forgiven or being born again. Some people have very dramatic stories about their conversion. Mine, not so. Does anyone recognize this book? This is called The Methodist Primer. This was the study guide before we became the United Methodist Church. It's pretty old, but more about that in a minute. I have loved God for as long as I can remember. I wanted to be like the grown-ups and enjoy the benefits of a relationship with God and with others. I wanted to be part of the church, the congregation, the body of Christ. When I was about 13 years old, the Reverend Gilbert used this book to prepare us for our conversion, for our confirmation into the Methodist Church. Just about everything you would like to know about the Methodist Church from the beginnings to the mid-1950s can be found in that book. Now, don't tell the Reverend Gilbert, but I don't really remember much about the classes or much about what we learned. But what I do remember, what I do remember vividly was the actual confirmation ceremony. I went to the communion rail in the front of the church. The members of the choir were in the chancel before me. The congregation was filled with church members and visitors. I remember kneeling, bowing my head, 
mom and dad on either side of me and pastor in front of me. Pastor asked me a few questions and then welcomed me into the church as a member. I felt a surge of warmth and a smile fill my face. One of the choir members told my mother that I glowed. I had accepted God's wonderful gift of grace. I was now accepted into the body of Christ. I didn't realize what all this meant at the time, but it was a beginning. Justification is just the beginning. Many times during my life I've experienced God's loving touch, his forgiveness, his patient correction, but I was saved the moment I said yes and made a commitment. Our conversion continues as we keep saying yes to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. As we grow and mature and learn more about ourselves, we become more aware of our need for Jesus. And we also come to understand God better and search to discover his will for our lives, justifying grace, just as if I'd never sinned. John Wesley uses a house as an illustration of grace. Provenient grace is our invitation to the porch. Justifying grace is our standing at the door and choosing to go in. When you open the door to the house, you're going from unbelief to belief. Sanctifying grace is our being in the house and experiencing all God has for us in the house. We do this through practicing the disciplines of prayer, action, and study. Just like you have a choice to walk through the door, you have a choice to experience all the blessings inside the house. Just as physical birth begins the physical process of growth and maturity, spiritual birth, justifying grace, begins the process of spiritual growth toward maturity. That process is sanctifying grace, or our life in God's grace. Sanctifying grace is the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. It is the driving energy that transforms our hearts and our lives. <clears throat> in John 15, 1 through 5, John, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Here's a little acronym to help you understand sanctifying grace. Sanctifying grace makes us ripe, R-I-P-E, restoring, imparting, perfecting, and equipping. Ripe ensures that we are growing. Romans 8, 38, I'm sorry, Romans 8, 38 through 39 reads, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, 
nor the powers of height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ your Lord. Did you hear that? Nothing can separate us from God's love. There is nothing we can do to make God love us more or love us less. We cannot earn God's love by changing our ways. But we have all made mistakes, and we have hurt those we love, and even those we don't know. We are human, and as Romans also tells us, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. <clears throat> Sanctifying grace restores our relationship with God and with others. When we come to know Christ, and he calls us his child, there is work to be done in our hearts. There is healing. There is correcting. Sanctifying grace is like the prodigal son coming home to find his father ready to care for him and his shortcomings so that he may be restored. Restoration is a process by which we begin to believe that we are children of God. Many years ago, I experienced the death of my marriage to my children's father. I was devastated and I was divorced. The point of this message is not the brokenness, but the restoration that I experienced. I walked into the little Methodist church in Booty, Illinois, was met and embraced by the pastor's wife. She told me how glad she was to see me. She welcomed me, she embraced me. She was offering love, grace, and acceptance. I was given the opportunity to stay, study, and grow in my faith. I was accepted as a child of God. Sanctifying grace is imparting new life, new light, new strength, and a new heart. Sanctification is God continuing to work on us from the inside out. It is transforming us, gradually growing us to holiness. <clears throat> Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing, and perfect will. Sanctifying grace is perfecting us in the image of God and the likeness of Jesus Christ. Being made perfect is a process. Perfect means complete or mature. Sanctification means being made holy. Our faith journey is bringing us back to who we were created to be. This is about loving God with our whole heart and loving people. Sanctification is not always an easy process. Being saved is just the beginning of our faith journey. God will prune our dead branches, those sins, tendencies, and desires that just don't belong. Have you heard of C.S. Lewis? He was the writer of the children's series called The Chronicles of Narnia. He was also a renowned theologian and likened the process of perfecting to having a toothache. Now let me explain, he says. When I was a child, I often had toothaches. And I knew that if I went to my mother, 
She would give me something which would deaden the pain for the night and let me get some sleep. But I didn't go to my mother, or at least not until the pain became so bad. And the reason I did not go was this. I did not doubt that she would give me the aspirin, but I knew she'd do something else. I knew she'd take me to the dentist in the morning. I could not get what I wanted out of her without her getting something more, which I did not want. I wanted immediate relief from pain, but I could not get it without having my teeth set permanently right. And I knew those dentists. I knew they'd start fiddling around with all the other teeth that had not yet begun to ache. They would not let sleeping dogs lie. If you gave them an inch, they'd take a mile. Friends, do you see? Our Lord is like a dentist. If you go to him with a problem of sin, he will cure you of that sin, but he won't stop there. That may be all you asked, but if you call on him, he'll give you the full treatment. As we mature, we will begin to display the fruit of the Spirit as presented in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Sanctifying grace is equipping us to do the work of Christ in the world. We are called to be the hands and feet of Christ. Several years ago, we had a church-wide Bible study of a book called, uh, book by Rick Warren called Purpose Driven Life. And some of you may remember this. If I recall, the first line of that book was, it's not about you. Friends, it's not about you or me. It's about God. God commands us to love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love each other as ourselves. Acts 1.8 tells us, but you will receive the power of the Holy when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He is sending us out to be Christ in the world. How much we stay connected to the vine, and how much we participate in the work of this grace will determine if people will see Christ when they look at our church. We need each other. In order to stay in the vine, we need to pray. We need to study and be revitalized by worshiping God together. Many years ago, there was a lovely poem or story that described a new Christian's walk with the Lord called Footprints in the Sand. I heard a newer version, a slightly different version that I would like to share with you, which I believe illustrates sanctifying grace our life and grace. Imagine you and the Lord Jesus are walking by the sea together. For much of the way, the Lord's footprints go on steadily, consistently, rarely, rarely varying the pace. But your footprints are disorganized. They're a disorganized stream of zigzags, starts, stops, turnarounds, circles, departures, and returns. For much of the way, it seems to go on like this. But gradually, your footprints become more in line with the Lord's, soon paralleling his consistently. You and Jesus are walking as true friends. This seems perfect, 
But then an interesting thing happens. Your footprints that once etched the sand next to Jesus are now walking precisely in his steps. Inside his larger footprints are your smaller ones. You and Jesus are becoming one. This goes on for many miles. But gradually you notice another change. The footprints inside the large, larger footprints seem to grow larger. Eventually they disappear altogether. There is only one set of footprints. They have become one. This goes on for a long time. But suddenly a second set of footprints appears. This time it's even worse, zigzags all over the place, stops, starts, gashes, sands, sand all over the place, a variable mess of prints. <clears throat> you're amazed, you're shocked, and your dream ends. <clears throat> and now you pray. Lord, I understand the first scene with the zigzags and fits. Thank you. We're going to start our prayer again. <clears throat> Lord, I understand the first scene with zigzags and fits. I was a new Christian. I was just learning. But, walked, but you walked on through the storm and helped me learn to walk with you. The Lord says that is correct. And when the full, smaller footprints were inside of yours, I was actually learned to walk in your steps, following you very closely. Very good. You have understood everything so far. When the smaller footprints grew and filled yours, I suppose I was becoming like you in every way. Precisely. So Lord, was there a regression or something? The footprints separated, and this time it was worse than at the beginning. There was a pause. And then the Lord answered with a smile in his voice. You didn't know? It was then that we danced. Dear friends, enjoy your journey with Jesus and keep dancing. Again, we want to thank you so much for joining us. Be blessed and go in peace.